Hello, welcome to another finger. This is a podcast about bringing mindful attention off of the cushion and into our daily lives. I recommend committing to a daily meditation practice for better physical and mental health. It is amazing what we can learn about ourselves when we are still. Only when still does the water become clear. Hyperbolic as the title may be, I feel like I've been trapped inside a cocoon for a few months. There was a five-month gap between my last two episodes, even though the last one was recorded back in August. Recording is no longer quite as easy as it used to be. I record at the bottom of a creaky, narrow, wooden staircase in a concrete dungeon of a basement laundry room. It is a decent place to record, but my home is very small and not very quiet, so conditions need to be ideal. Not too easy to accomplish with a new baby. When I recorded the last episode in August, it took significantly longer than I had anticipated because of the baby's crying while going down to sleep. This forced me to stop recording until she was quiet, then try to pick up where I left off, which proved to be fairly challenging with an off-the-cuff episode. The plan was to record, head upstairs, and edit, then upload and post it immediately in order to meet my self-imposed anniversary deadline. That clearly did not happen. By the time I finished recording and helping with our little June bug, there was not enough time in the evening to edit, so I figured I'd just do it the next day, which was a Friday, or by Sunday, at the latest, to be ready for my typical Monday releases. It didn't happen that weekend, or the next. This was how the next three and a half months unfolded. After 15 weeks of kicking the can down the road, I finally made the time to tackle the edit. While I was tempted to scrap the entire thing because of its rambling nature, I decided to keep it just as it is, adding nothing. It was actually pretty fun editing something that I'd been sitting on for so long, and indeed there are a few more potential episodes that I have recorded that haven't made it to the editing station just yet, including the story of when I was chased by a bloodthirsty motorist while riding my motorcycle in downtown Salt Lake City. I may try finding that one soon and dusting it off as well. It's an entertaining yet frightening story. There are a few things I brought up in the last episode, which I'd like to address and update. I'll finally break that news, which is now old to some of you. I wondered in that episode how I could maximize my time with little June Bug, and we figured it out. This is the big news I promised. At the time of recording the last podcast, we weren't 100% sure about it, which is why I couldn't say for certain back then. So here it is. We, as a family, decided it would be best for me to retire from work, where I had been employed for 25 years, so that I could be a stay-at-home dad. I teased you with some big, potentially life-changing news, and here it is. That news has been my reality for over two months now. Retiring from work has done a couple things for me. First, it allows me to spend all of my days with Junebug and Jay as she works from home. Rather than sending her off to daycare and missing out on this crucial time and being present for countless milestones. Another benefit to retirement is that I'm free to open up here even further. There are things about my personal life which I have wanted to keep close because they would potentially get me into trouble at work. So I am free in more than one sense. 
The calculation to retire was, on one hand, quite difficult. As I mentioned, I had been working at the same place for 25 years. I was hired within the first year of the company's existence, and as such have a lot of time and brain power invested in it. I worked with some of my best friends. I loved my job, and I was paid well. There is still a bit of FOMO, even still, over two months into retirement. I have been a part of the company's growth and success for two and a half decades, and now I'm out. I feel like I left my team mid-season, if I may use a sports analogy. In other words, I felt like I left before the job was done, whatever that means. It's hard when you get entrenched like that, hard to remove yourself. So all of that was difficult to consider walking away from. Yet, on the other hand was this. I have a brand new child, our first, and I'm forced to make a decision as Jay was preparing to re-enter the workforce. Nanny or daycare. Then a third option emerged. This is where I tried to use a completely open mind to make a decision that would alter our lives forever. Do I give up the comfort and status of my position and salary which I had worked so hard to attain? Or do I leap into the unknown with the little one, hand in hand? At the time this decision was made, our little June bug was just two months old, and I felt like I was already missing out on so much of her life. I'd often leave for work before she woke, and by the time I returned home, I had one, maybe two, waking hours with her each day. A thought entered my mind. How much would I pay, 15 years from now, to have this time back? the time I would miss if I continued working. This was the winning argument for me. The answer was obvious. Truth is, a few years ago I nearly quit my job to do some volunteer work of some kind, or to find something more meaningful to do with my life. So the mental groundwork had been prepared years ago. I became a bit jaded with the day-to-day grind of full-time employment, earning more money than I needed, and stuck in the monotony of it all. Surely there is something else, right? Is this really life? Working, earning, spending? It's interesting what started happening. I began to see and be aware of so many people in need, which caused me a certain degree of guilt for what I was keeping to myself for some future purpose. It was the first time in my life that I had more than I needed, and I wasn't sure, besides saving, what to do with it. My problem was that I couldn't leave my job with a clear conscience because I didn't have a plan. So I decided that I'd continue to work and save until the right opportunity arose. It didn't dawn on me, even through the entire pregnancy, that our child would finally give me the purpose I had been waiting for. So, I chose Junebug over my career, over money, and the previous decision to continue working and saving ended up making it possible for me to take this opportunity to be my child's primary caregiver. It has been hard, I'm not going to lie. Some of that difficulty was self-imposed, which I'll get into later, but it is physically taxing and emotionally exhausting regardless. I may not have what you would call a job, but I have never worked harder in my life. I have never been forced to let my will take a backseat to this degree as evidenced with the delays in editing the previous episode of this podcast. I am almost entirely at the mercy of Junebug's needs. My needs are, at best, secondary. 
I have learned the benefit of a loose daily structure and to expect my wishes to be thwarted. As a good friend said, it is the ultimate lesson in letting go of control. I would add that it is simultaneously a test of self-control. Sometimes, the reactive mind is in full force at 3 a.m. with a bawling baby in your sleep-deprived arms, and you just want to give up. It is all too possible to lose your cool and do something stupid or regretful while in this mindset. At first, these nocturnal obligations were relatively easy because she was so small and her voice was so tiny and cute that holding her for an extended period of time was easier and having her cry into my ear was actually kind of cute and sweet. But then she grew heavier and her voice began to boom. This happened right around the time I began my caregiving responsibilities. I have since learned a trick of sorts. I simply encourage her to cry it all out, to give it all to me. I tell her that I understand how hard it must be for her. I set myself up as the receptacle for her unpleasant energy. She transfers it to me, and I let it go for her. It's a beautiful give and take. I'm not set up in opposition to her, trying to force my will upon her, which protects me from feeling offended or overwhelmed when I don't get what I want, which is for her to quiet down and to sleep. I'm simply there to facilitate this transition, not to make something happen. I also believe that the energy of my attitude and attention is felt by her. She seems to react in whichever way mirrors my own attitude and energy. It's pretty incredible to witness. Let me say this before I forget. If you have children and you are not their primary caregiver, make sure you show your gratitude to that person. Unless you have done it yourself for several continuous days, you probably don't have a great idea just how much work it is. Maybe it's just me. I honestly thought I would have more time to explore some of my personal interests, including this podcast, but the opposite is true. It is a job one is rarely able to clock out for, and if you happen to get temporary relief, you are always on call. It's not easy. But, as is true in all of life, what is challenging is also equally, if not more so, rewarding. So thank the caregiver in your life and show compassion and understanding when they act a little crazy. It is unavoidable. Another thing I wanted to discuss was my daily meditation practice, which I admitted in the last episode was in the middle of a lapse. I have started meditating daily again after editing the last episode, and I'm already seeing progress. My mind has endured unnecessary suffering as a result of my months-long neglect, as has my body. My list of ailments since Junebug was born are countless. One day in early July, while we were in South Carolina, I lost full mobility in my back and could hardly walk or stand without assistance. Luckily, this only lasted about a day. About two weeks later, I bent over to pick the baby up from the couch and my back completely gave out. It felt like my invisible marionette strings were severed and I collapsed to the floor, unable to move for several minutes. When I could bring myself to move again, it wasn't much. I could not stand, could hardly be upright in any position. Luckily, we have hardwood floors in our home, 
so Jay was able to drag me from room to room on a blanket, mostly for trips to the bathroom. Roughly 24 hours later, I was able to walk, albeit hunched over, with the aid of two walking sticks. I was unable to walk without significant pain for several weeks. A couple of months later, I slipped on those creaky wooden stairs heading down into the basement, tweaked my left knee, likely fractured my left foot and ankle, and smashed some fingers on the way down. Then, if all that wasn't bad enough, on November 3rd or 4th, Junebug and I were hanging out on the couch together, she on my right side, and I reached my right arm around her to move her away from me to tuck her into the right corner of the couch. As I picked her up, I felt a tear in my shoulder. Snap, crackle, pop. The pain was so incredible that I didn't notice until the next day that my bicep had balled up near my inner elbow. Turns out, after seeing a few professionals, that I tore my transverse humeral ligament. The orthopedic doctor said they call the resulting bulge the Popeye and said other than for cosmetic reasons, there is no benefit to reattach it. So I finally have that bicep bulge I've been dreaming of my whole life. It just looks a little bit funny if you look closely. So I am now recovering from that, but my back is still acting up. Do I blame my lack of meditation on these physical problems? Not entirely. I believe there is a role for meditation in maintaining physical and mental health. But there is also a role for continued physical activity. In my case, they work in tandem. I am more likely to engage in exercise when I am not depressed, and I am less likely to be depressed if I am meditating daily. For me, the mind-body connection is real. Now I'd like to finish this episode by talking about what inspired me to write and create again. It was a combination of three things. An aunt of mine complimented my writing, which I usually just let roll off my back. But for some reason, I needed that compliment then. At that time, I was in the middle of listening to the audiobook version of The Creative Act by Rick Rubin which I highly recommend for any creatives out there. Very good. That comment combined with that book gave me the inspiration, but it was a heated yet brief argument with a close friend which gave me the kick in the pants to actually sit and write and edit and rewrite. This act of internal deliberation over the course of a few days was so healing and exercising. There was a time not long ago when I would have let my emotions get the best of me and write the least thoughtful yet most passionate and heated rant on whatever perceived offense may have been taken, then click send. But this time I followed that same script with the additional steps of rewriting until I got to the core of my problem. Eventually, after a few days of writing, my temperature dropped and I was able to set aside my judgments, assumptions, and my opinions. Apologize for my behavior and return to a civil conversation. Just the act of freely expressing oneself, even if only to oneself, is extremely liberating. If you stick with it until the steam subsides, you just might get to the root of the issue. After taking the time to write in this way, I remembered how much I enjoy writing, and I knew it was time to get back to the podcast, and the one thing keeping me from moving forward 
was this dusty, unedited episode from August, which, as it turns out, inspired a good deal of the content for this episode. You may be thinking, where did you suddenly find all this time for writing after taking almost an entire episode explaining why you didn't even have time to edit a single episode for nearly four months? The answer is one word, but will likely take an entire episode all on its own to explain. So that will be our topic next time. In closing, I hope you are well and that your holiday weekend, for those of you in the States at least, went well. We, my little family, hit a couple milestones over the weekend, with another one coming soon. Jay and I celebrated the nine-year anniversary since our first date. We fed Junebug her first solid foods on Thanksgiving. We ended up feeding her one of my favorites, smashed avocado. It was so entertaining to watch. So good. Next week, December 1st, she will be six months old. Where did the time go? I look back on these months with nostalgia and wish I could continually live in them forever. But each new day paves the way for new experiences and growth. Today is always the best day yet. It's a truly extraordinary process. I just love our little June bugs so much much more than I could ever have imagined. She has changed me forever in such a positive way. Anyways, my time is up. Thank you so much for listening. I've got something new in the works and hope to announce the launch of it next episode, so stick around. Until then, enjoy. <laughs>